Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. And it's time for a reunion. Buck and I are finally getting back together. We had a couple weeks off. Paul Evans was in. He nearly slithered his way into a job. It sounds like Buck might get fired. We'll, we'll get into that soon. But anyway, this week we're going to talk about Stab in the Dark, Episode 1 with Ethelo Ferreira. It's finally live. You can watch it. It's on Stab Premium. There's also a one-month free trial for Stab Premium right now, so you can watch the entire series of Stab in the Dark for free. Uh, if you want to, you can go find that on the site, and yeah, just basically put in your info, blah, 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 you know how it works. Anyways, we're also going to talk about the recent snapper swell. We talked to Dingo, we talked to Parco, we talked about the sand, all these things going on. Uh, basically, just a 10-day swell bender on the eve of the Challenger series. We also have an interview with Kolohe Andino where he gets more kind of like vulnerable and in-depth than I've ever seen or heard of him. It's it's a really, really, really good read. It goes into the mindset of going from this superstar with everybody has these crazy expectations of you to then falling off tour, granted, after 11 years and presumably it's going to get back on tour. But anyway, it's just where his mindset is at right now. And it's, yeah, just he's matured so much. It's really cool to see. We're also going to talk about, we're actually, we're going to ask a really simple question. Why do big wave surfers burn each other? We're going to do our best to answer that. And of course, there was a huge swell in Tahiti this past week that also came with a bit of devastation, both on the sort of local front and also for a big wave professional surfer. So we're going to break that down as well. And of course, a surf sand. You know how it works. With that, let's drop in. All right, Mikey, we are back on. It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. I was in a very warm and welcoming place. Some of the friendliest locals on the planet, the Canary Islands. <laughs> I have heard that. I have heard that. Yes, and then you were in Texas, which I, I, I understand is also very warm and welcoming. Yeah, unless your name is Brendan Buckley, because um, as Paul noted, you didn't get the invite, did you? No, I'm still convinced I'm going to get fired soon. <laughs> no, it was definitely the air thing. You heard it here on the drop. <laughs> Sam McIntosh was trying some airs. It was cool. Really? Yeah, just firing up that new hip. Any grabs? Uh, no grabs. Nope. But he he landed his first one, and then he started getting real tech, going for air reverses, which is something that I know that you're very passionate about. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really, really cool fucking trip, man. Um, it, I didn't know what to expect. Just bringing out a bunch of people from the surf industry to to Waco and giving them a bunch of uh, waves, and then getting that back by uh torturing them for two hours but uh it was really really fun and i wish you could have been there doing airs with us i still haven't been but i regardless i get so much so much satisfaction at knowing that like like it's just hilarious to me that a bunch of surf industry people had to go to waco texas like it just i love the fact that that pool exists where it does and that's become such a hub and that's just in from what I understand, the Texas just kind of countryside with a bunch of barbecue and shit. I, I love that. I really love that about it would just be weird. I know that pools are coming. They're going to be up and down everywhere. But like just the fact that everybody goes to Texas and uh, well, it's like neutral territory, right? Yeah. Like all these people from all these different brands, they're all, you know, from different a lot of them from California, of course. But still, it just you, you go to Texas and it feels like all these barriers are removed, like literally there's a lot of laws that don't exist don't. in Texas that exist elsewhere. <laughs> they don't. And then, yeah, but it's just this like really neutral zone where everybody feels at ease. And you really felt that too. Just like people getting real loose, like <laughs> doing things that they probably normally wouldn't do, especially within uh, state lines. 
So yeah, it was, <laughs> I wish I could share more of what went down, like in both verbal and video form, but it's going to have to stay in Texas. Ah, uh, well then let's just get to the news. Stab in the dark with Italo Pereira, episode one. Wow. Okay. How this thing starts and as every stab in the dark does, you have the board guessing thing. I feel like he was like one beat off the entire time. I was like so thrown off by how it doesn't matter what where the boards were in proximity to each other, but it was just he was like one beat off the whole time. Yeah. That yeah, was incredible. Unfortunate. I know. It's okay, so I always thought that it was like super impressive that anybody could look at a blank board and know who made it. It was when I, this was the first time that I've ever been on a stab in the dark trip. And so the first time that I ever saw all these boards lined up with no markings whatsoever, they're also painted gray, which I think makes it even harder because you can't really see the foam that well. That can, I know that can be a giveaway sometimes. And a lot of the stringers were painted over as well. So I looked at these boards. Part of my job is, as we know, to do board testing. And I had no clue, like no clue. There was, I think I, I've, I went through all 13 of them and I think I got two right, but it was mostly just guessing. I guess there was like one or two little things on them that I could pinpoint. But yeah, when you watch Italo go through these things, understand that like, even for somebody at the highest level of surfing like him, it's so hard. And what Mick did a few years ago with all blackboards, being able to pick like 75% of them or whatever he did is fucking unbelievable. Like the level of detail and awareness that he has around surfboards is crazy. But at the same time, it just felt right with Mick. And, and, and Italo grew up surfing on a cooler lid. So you get 13 insane boards in front of him. It's, it's interesting. And the other part of that is that with the other stab in the darks, I mean, shapers always get the rider's weight and height and desired board length, right? Those are the three fact points that they have to determine kind of who they're making a board for. And of course they always guess, and a lot of times they get it right, or at least they get it close. You know what I mean? At least they know that like, oh, it could be this person or this person, blah, blah, blah. This time, apparently the shapers had no idea. We had so many shapers reach out to us and be like, who the fuck is this for? That you're saying that they're 5'7 and they ride a 5'10, like how this doesn't even make any sense. So it, it seems like this year, more than almost any year, it was a true double blind test. The shapers had no idea, and apparently Italo had no idea either. So it made the whole thing a lot more fun because he was going into, you know, surfs thinking that he was on a Slater Designs, but he was actually on a Sharp Eye and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Well, you play a supporting role in the film. I do. Um, just like the role you played in the John John edit. Ah. Uh, of him at Waimea. True. So I have to ask you, what is the vibe like surfing with him? Because it seemed like, at least in episode one, which is all I've seen so far, there are moments when it looks like he's the only one out, and then there are moments when there's maybe five, ten-ish people in the water. And it still looks like he's the only one out? Yeah. But what, what's, how, how is that? Is he, what, what, what like, did you ever have a moment when it was like just you and him out? Yeah, uh, we ended up on one of the days we surfed this little left wedge that was like tucked against the rock on the main beach. Casimba uh, do Padre is the name of the beach in Fernando de Noronha where this was filmed. So we had a session there. And well, first of all, it's a weird dynamic between, you know, being a director on a piece and then you're there with the star of that piece and you're you're doing the same activity. But obviously, like for the person who's not supposed to be in front of the camera, like you're basically just hands off any wave that he looks at 
you're like not even, you know what I mean? Like it's not even, it's not a normal session where you trade off waves. It's not like that. It's like any wave that he wants to go on obviously is his. There's actually this one incident um, when we were surfing that little wave on the rock and it was this wedge wave. So depending on where you were, you could like kind of chip into it sometimes. And there was like a weird rip going through it and it was really hard to surf. He was making it look easy, but this one wave came through and I was wider than him and it looked like the wave was shifting that way. So he was like, go, go. And I was like, oh, cool. So I started like paddling and I paddle into it. And then at the last second, he like makes another noise and I look back and he's behind me already going. And I was like, oh no. And I'm like halfway down the wave, like on my belly basically. And I'm like trying to like pull out and get out. And I ended up just not being able to do anything other than stand up and ride the wave and I ended up pulling into like a closeout, which he probably would have made. And it just, it was this, yeah, it was so weird and I felt so bad, but he had like told me to go before, but it definitely is this like high intensity feeling when you're surfing with Italo, especially when you know he's filming for something specific, like stab in the dark, you basically just don't want to get in his way. And it's not like he's like rude about it, but he's just so intense and focused that you don't want to like mess up his flow because you can tell he just gets into this like mindset like, okay, I'm going to catch, you know, 12 waves in a half hour and I'm going to bang this out and you don't want to be in his way when he's doing that. It looks like he paddles like a missile too. He, I mean, we, we already know this watching him in contest, but he hates sitting still. So he'll just paddle if he sees a little crappy close out 50 meters down the beach coming in like hold come and chase that down just because he doesn't like he likes to be on his feet basically so he'll chase everything down he'll surf when the waves are almost impossible to surf like dead low tide when nobody else is out because it's just unmakeable like he's like let's go because there's no one out right now like the he's kind of like you i guess in that sense like wherever he has the greatest opportunity to ride the greatest number of waves because he's so talented and can actually like make them work. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to take advantage of that. Cause his least favorite thing is to be sitting. I think he'd rather be surfing knee high slop when he can catch a wave every minute than perfect six foot waves when he only gets a wave every hour. Yeah. I mean, it does sound exactly like me, just super talented and like just kind of make it work. Yeah. No, I agree with you for sure. I'm going to get a few necklaces. <laughs> well, first episode up, we learn, or we, we basically see four boards. The first one is Unlucky 13, which is the board that he pulls out without ever surfing and decides I'm not going to ride this based on just basically its appearance. And then the three boards that get tested in this episode are a four-time Stab in the Dark finalist. That's Axel Lorenz from Pukas. He's been in only four stab in the darks and he's made the final every single time we have the two-time stab in the dark winner john pizel also obviously famous for everything else that he's done most notably with john john and then we have italo shaper of 14 years timmy patterson so these three boards are going to go head to head against one another and only one of them is going to be able to make the final so yeah, it's a pretty strong starting episode. Basically, a two-time winner, four-time finalist, and Italo's own board sponsor. Uh, so that's pretty much what we got in Ep 1. Ooh, go get there. Go get there. Oh, and last thing before we go. We are doing a free one-month trial of Stab Premium to go along with the Stab in the Dark release. So starting May 4th, which is yesterday when you're listening to this, uh, up until the airing of the last episode, which I believe is May 25th, you are going to be able to sign up for a free month of Stab Premium. This is for new users only, but yeah, basically if you've always wanted to try out Stab Premium or you're just dying to watch Italo and Stab in the Dark, you can do it, you can watch it. Hopefully you'll stick around, but if not, you have the option to pull out after it's all done. So get in there. Nah, stay and hang out. You're probably going to get bored close to your head. There will be carnage and it's all part of the fun. This is not my quote. 
this is Joel Parkinson's quote, and I'm not sure if I agree with it, uh, especially the last <laughs> bit. It's all part of the fun. So this you just hate rights. I hate rights. Oh, uh, if look, this story is all about the Gold Coast right now. We got the Challenger Series coming into town. Uh, the event starts over the weekend. Waiting period does at least, and they've had a crazy run of swell. The bank is very good, and so we did a little kind of. It's not even a CS preview, which we will have on the site. This is more just like a hey, here's what's been happening at Snapper. Here's the here's what won't be happening during the Challenger series. Yeah, yeah, but here's what an average what your average good day. I know it sounds weird, but like on a good day, here's typically what typical good day actually, not average good day. Um, and no, I just if this was surfing, I would not participate. Um, <laughs> I just wouldn't. Fair enough. Have you have you surfed that way when it's that crowded? No, I've only surfed Snapper when it was like chest to head high. I mean, it was still crazy crowded, but not at this level. Oh God, yeah, it looks absolutely brutal. I mean, it was really cool actually because uh, Holden went on to talk to Dingo and Joel, who are obviously top of the top of the top of the pecking order, and then he went and talked to who's the other kid? the kid from California? What's his name? Jade. Jade. Jade Morgan. Is that it? Jade Morgan. Yeah. Jade Morgan. Okay, so Jade Morgan, a kid from California, and um, he's been there for a month, and he basically landed right when this run of waves started. So he got to have his first experience out there, and and that was it. And Hearing it from his perspective, it brought back some memories for me, for sure. Like sitting, you know, 50 meters, not behind the rock, down the point, basically just praying that somebody falls off and also just being in awe of what those guys are doing. I think that people who come from the Gold Coast and learn to surf snapper rocks and make that takeoff, I think you can surf anywhere after that. Like if you can handle the crowd and you can handle that drop, everywhere else has got to be easy. It's it's such a fascinating place. Like... I've seen it pretty good there. I've surfed it pretty good there. And I have to say it again, like if, if that was all that surfing offered, if it was either like this is the surfing experience and that's all and there's nowhere else it could happen, um, what I would do is I would move to Byron Bay. I would take some sort of ancient Eastern text, misunderstand it completely and become like a tantric sex guide and I would make pottery. Um, or you can just do it like Aki and just, Take off on any wave you want. Ooh, yeah, there is a fun line in there about uh, just a little throwaway line about Aki burning Kelly, which, I mean, I, no, I respect it. I'm just going to say it. I respect it. it it's Aki. Do you think Aki, Aki should knows not, what he's doing? Aki should not have to look any direction when he paddles in the wave. I know that the same should arguably be said about Kelly, but maybe his neck has problems. I don't think Aki should need to look. So that's my stance there. Do you think he does? Do you think he knows what he's doing? Cuz there's it's become like so farcical because you'd almost it's almost like he's leaning into it now, but there's just so many clips every <laughs> single swell of him burning some like every it's time every, swell. every other time that you see somebody like just dropping in on somebody who's already in the barrel, it's Aki. And it's it's gotten to the point where he has to be doing it on purpose, right? He he can't be that like not self-aware. <laughs> I don't know, but it's one of my favorite just ongoing things in surfing. <laughs> just like it just keeps happening. <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, this I I really you called it out before, but I like that Holden talked to two of the top dogs and then got the perspective of just, you know, somebody that's just a new face in the lineup that's just trying to scrap essentially. It's an incredible wave. The sand looks incredible right now. Um, well, the sand. Parko and Dingo, we're calling it like a 9, 9.5 out of 10 
which is uh, really just that version. Nobody nobody ever says 10, I don't think. Um, so I, I'd say that's... Tom Jennings said 11 out of 10. Yeah, but it was. He was just speaking... Tom, met... Tom Jennings speaks the truth and the truth only. That was 11 out of 10. Well, okay, but here's the thing. The sand was amazing. I would imagine after 12 days of pumping swell that a lot of that sand has moved down the point. So by the time that the CS comes around, which the period just opened, I would imagine that Snapper, even if it had swell, wouldn't be that groomed and perfect because that's just how it works. Like it, Joel Parkinson even says it in the piece. Basically, the less swell there is, the better the bank gets. So then when the first swell comes, it's perfect. But after that, presumably, it's going to be different at the very least, if not worse. So the CS waiting period is open. And it does look like there's a bit of swell coming on the, the back half. Like it looks like we could see some pretty good waves, certainly not what we saw in the week leading up, which is the most, I mean, the WSL just gets so unlucky. All year they've gotten unlucky. They got unlucky for like, what, like a decade straight at Snapper, basically, where there'd always be like a cyclone swell right before. So it's unfortunate, but it is, uh, it's life, I suppose. Silicon Valley Bank Pro Gold Coast. <laughs> 102% of the stab interview with Kolohe and Dino. It's a good title. Is that you? No, that's Quio. Quio did the interview. He, it was his idea. I think initially, I think he heard something about Kolohe. Kolohe has been doing that thing, 2%, which is a media company. It's a YouTube, Instagram, all the young-ish, sometimes not youngish, San Clemente guys making a bunch, uh, putting a bunch of surfing out there. And so it kind of started as like getting the story around that, but then things were aligning with like the mid-year cut and Chloe didn't make that. So it ended up like, I think they spoke for nearly an hour. I believe Chloe said that it felt like a therapy session by the end. Cause he got deep. Like I've, I'd never seen him speak like this on just publicly before. It's really cool. Um, it's really, really cool. I also love the intro in the intro. Kuyo breaks down, um, Kuyo Young, by the way, you probably have seen him surfing on Instagram or YouTube or even on our pages on Stab. He's a really, really good surfer. He's been working with us recently in mostly the film department, but recently he's taken a crack at some editorial stuff. He also did the the interview with Lucas uh, Godfrey, Lucas Godfrey, that accompanied his Stab Edit of the Year post. So Kuyo basically breaks down how Kolohe was kind of his hero when he was growing up. And that he always looked up to him so much, which is strange now because Kuyo is like this like big tough Hawaiian guy. But anyway, he was out at Haleiwa one day back in, I think he said 2021. And Haleiwa is where Kuyo grew up. It's his home break. And it was a good day. He said it was like six to eight foot or something like that. And he was sitting way out the back on the little chip shot. And he saw Kolohe coming out. And it was going to be the first time that he was ever going to surf with Kolohe. So he's feeling this like mix of emotions, like nervousness. Should I go up to him and say something, blah, blah, blah. And then as he's thinking this, Kolohe just paddles straight past him and sits deeper and tries to take off on the first wave that comes through. And Kuyo is so baffled. like He was like, whoa, did that really just happen? And he decided to just go and burn him. So he burned Kolohe. And that was the first time that he ever surfed with him. Um, I don't think there was any like interaction or altercation after that, but it kind of like just shifted Kuyo's mentality a little bit. He didn't really know what to think. And then a little bit later, maybe later that year or a year after, Kuyo was in Kolohe's hometown of San Clemente. And obviously San Clemente home to lower trestles, but also a few beach breaks that are middling to fun, but you know, very average waves. And one of those is the San Clemente Pier. And he was out surfing and Kolohe paddled out 
And basically, this really good wave came, and he assumed that Kolohe being the local, he was just going to take it and go. But instead, Kolohe said, go, Kuio. And again, he was so baffled. He was like, wow, like, I don't know, it's just this weird dichotomy, you know, thing that happened in his head. He's like, I don't know what to think. And then basically, this call was the therapy session between them, it seems like. And the the depth that he was able to get out of Kolohe was really, really impressive, to your point. It's just yeah, Chloe's being so introspective and the maturity is incredible. So it was a really, really good read. Well, let's hear some of it. Let's hear, let's hear a bit. Well, on the, on the subject of professional surfing, um, how you viewed it before versus how you view it now, what was your outlook and preparation for surf events previously? Um, well, when I first started the tour, I was like pretty caught, like, probably the most confident of my whole life um and then i just got my ass kicked for those first four years and just really i really got manhandled by you know the just the the men of the tour they were all like me now you know they had kids and been on tour for seven eight nine ten years and just manhandled the little poor little 17 year old cocky kid but um after that i think i got um really I really clenched down and really tried my very very hardest for those next five years five or six years and you know that was kind of my what I thought I had to do you know like almost like a punishment makes a better person or pain makes a better person and kind of put myself through through the ringer really and um, you know now that I'm a little bit older and I realize man that's not really who I want to be and and getting results isn't isn't so important where I have to change who I how I have to change my morals really of the human I want to be. Um, I feel like I just want to I just want fun and excitement to lead the way. And you know, once I'm done with this, I really want people to have a good experience when they're around me because life's short and you never know what's going to happen so i just wanted to really have fun but also like spread love really around and be a beacon of light i think that's that's my most important thing as of now you know i kuio like you said the intro is so good and really just pinpointed these moments and i think in a personal way kuio showed what i think some people have probably, if they haven't experienced it firsthand, they've maybe just sensed it in Kolohe over the years. Like, I feel like I've crossed paths with him at times and walked away from it. Like, this guy is a fucking dickhead. Like, just, just like very. I mean, he talks about how he used to just act a certain way, and I, I remember I, I've been with him before. I'm like, oh wow, I just, he just gave me really weird, like I'm better than you vibes. Um, I mean, he is better than you. Yeah, he is, which is fair, which is fair. <laughs> but lately, something seems so different about him. Like, And I feel like I've seen him around lately and just like, even just the way he shows up on camera and stuff now, he just feels so much more alive. Like, it feels like he talks in the interview about like, wanting to be somebody who walks into a room and kind of lights it up and is just like, this funny, witty, playful, like, that's when he feels like himself. That's who he says he feels like he's always been. And He's gone dad mode. He's like just embracing like dad jokes and like it just feels like just he's like fucking a fucking happy dad. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I think like you said there's there's a level of just like getting super candid here and 
talking about all this stuff and I, I feel like sometimes people say that. I almost feel like it's like a script you can go off of in surfing, like, oh, I was taking it too seriously and now I'm this. But I f- truly believe him here. Like, and I feel like I feel like you can just tell watching how he's operating now. I don't feel like it's an act in any way. And it's it's awesome to see. Like, it's it's really cool. Well, and it's also, according to him, been just like a huge, it's been a huge mental shift. And it's been an incredible weight off of his shoulders as well because he always felt like he was trying to, perform to basically what the expectations were of him right and it was almost like having this really bad year on tour just freed him of that it's like oh like i don't even have to like do because i already kind of did so badly that it's just like oh my god wait this is actually nice he said it's the first time that he's been sleeping well for like years he used to have so much trouble sleeping because he would just stay up thinking about like all these things that he had to do and blah 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 and it's like now it's like he's come to terms with his current reality he obviously wants to continue to compete, get back on tour via the Challenger Series. He did actually mention in this interview for the first time that I've ever seen, he said that he's always you know, thought of this, but he sees his retirement date as the 2028 LA Olympics. So he's got five more years in him um, as far as he's concerned in comp- competitive surfing. Of course, a lot of athletes have said that and gone on to compete for another 10, 15, 20, 25 years if you're Kelly. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of how he's seeing it. But right now, what he's really focusing on is kind of giving everything he's learned to the next generation, helping them succeed, and in that way, sort of like finding that love for surfing and competing again and sort of building up his own um, success as well. So I think it's a really, really cool, mature move from Kolohe, and I'm excited to see where it leads. What do you think? What's your take, Buck? Is he making the cut on the Challenger Series this year? Well, I mean, a bit of a bold strategy to target the 2028 Olympics and then just be giving his heart into bringing the next generation up true like let's uh let's you might shoot yourself in the foot there yeah what happened uh, with griffin giving them all your wisdom that you've you've you know it's taking you 10 years of winning and losing having this and that to learn so let's be a little bit careful but yeah he's making the cut okay he's back on all right he's back see you on. in 2024 no, we are a challenger series podcast he's back on see you in 2024 and one more thing you were talking about before sleepless nights all that can we just stop and admit for a second that we have cooked surfing? Surfing, we took an object and we put it in the oven for too long. <laughs> Every time we talk to somebody who's been on the CT for more than like three years now, it, it doesn't sound like they're a WSL veteran. It sounds like they're a fucking Vietnam veteran. <laughs> it's fucking insane what apparently that does to people. I feel like for a while, yes, okay. Maybe it wasn't great. People partied too much. Some people got really caught up in that. It didn't work well. But it seemed like they are having a lot more fun. I mean, it seems like if you're on tour in the 90s, you were sleeping just fine. And I swear to God, everybody we talk to now, it's like a fucking Ken Burns documentary where it's everybody just talks about what the thing does to you there. And it's like, whoa, okay, like, can we maybe rein this in a little bit? Is this all just to sell Bailey Ladder ads? Like, let's just kind of figure something else out. Why do big wave surfers burn each other? Mikey, you teased this one before. This was an idea that I believe came about when you were working on the pickup, and Nathan Florence went on a little rant about this. Um, We love rants here, as you just heard. So how did you feel that this story unpacked now that it finally is out there into the world? I love a story with a simple question and a simple answer. And this one has it, right? So the question is, why do big wave surfers burn each other? And the answer is, 
it's Garrett McNamara's fault. And why Uh We go into a story. Yes, pretty much. I mean, well, realistically, it's like all boomers fault because mm-hmm. when, you know, people started surfing these big waves, they were just like, oh, we're just going to go straight, blah, 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 and have a good time, hold our hands together. Uh, nowadays, people are actually surfing these waves, you know, younger people, Nate Florence, Nick Von Rupp, Albie Lair, the people we interviewed for this story. And so they say, fuck you guys, don't burn us because we're trying to get barreled on that section that you're crumbling down with your 10-6 rhino chaser. So uh, yeah, basically what we need is for all of the old guard to perish and then we won't have this problem anymore, except maybe we will because... By the time that all these guys are old, they'll probably be going straight too, and it's just going to be this vicious cycle of burning. So, it's yeah, it sounds like we're fucked. Sorry, big wave surfers. Eternal burning. Dante's Inferno out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I actually I actually learned something from this piece. Like, I, I feel like forever, and even when we posted something about it on Instagram, I saw comments saying this. Forever, like, it was... I feel like the answer to this question was presented as like, oh, well, it takes so much commitment that like you have to paddle so hard and the way like to the waves moving so fast. Anybody who says that, have you ever been in a fucking big wave lineup? All it is is people pulling back. They're like, well, you can't pull back because it's so it's like, no, go surf big waves. A lot of people pull back. That's not it at all. Do not tell me that because go surf on a decent. I'm a medium wave day personally, so I can only speak to the XXM stuff. But in even in XXM waves, it's all people pulling back. So that's just flat out wrong. And we had, as you you brought it up before, we had that XXXM day at Waimea, you know, the one that we started in John John's film. Oh, very XXXM, yeah. Uh-huh. And Nick Von Rupp had a quote that really stood out to me. And he said, at Waimea, those boards are like bullets coming down the face, and it freaks me out. And that was for sure the scariest part about being out there. There's 50 people on, there's 50 people times what, call it, just for simple numbers, call it an average 10-foot surfboard. That's 500 feet of freaking yeah, just missile flying around out there willy-nilly. So it's an absolute battlefield. Yeah, a bullet. The thing's a fucking nuke. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, big wave surfing. But it's just, it's like you can't, how do you gatekeep it? I don't know. Because ideally it would be just people who are meant to be out there should be out there. Of course, in that regard, we probably shouldn't have been out there. But uh, beyond us, there's nice. <laughs> at pretty much any big wave spot, there's, you know, the five people who are out there that can really surf the wave the way it's meant to be surfed. And then there's everybody else who wants to feel like they go home and have really large balls. And I think that's just going to be the reality of this sport. I don't think there's any way to get away from it. Do you? I do think that, so what this story taught me is that I'm so happy didn't even explore the whole, oh, well, it's too hard to pull back because it, all it is in big wave lamps, people pulling back, like I said. But to me, just like hearing that people really trace it back to why, man, how like back in the day, people really, like obviously people were not getting tube. That just wasn't a big wave performance was just essentially going straight. So when a big wave comes, why not put a few people on it if everybody can go? And the fact that that was like, I get that, that makes perfect sense. And now, yeah, people have just completely changed the game in terms of paddling. Um, I do actually feel like I learned something. And I do think like, I don't think you'll be able to get away with burning people at Jaws anymore. The story goes into that. Like, I think Albie or somebody talks about how in the early days of paddling Jaws, like it was still happening a bit, but like, and it still happens sometimes at Jaws. But I feel like the at that wave, especially where people are getting proper tubes, like 
the days are very numbered of like you not getting punched in the face for burning somebody. Why may I don't think it can ever go away, um, especially on those days that aren't like Eddie size. Those days that are like pretty doable for a lot of people. I don't. I think it will just always be happening like that there. Um, Mavs, I don't really know, but I feel like for the most part it won't be happening. And I guess like so takeaway for this to me is like. Uh, if you want to surf big waves, probably don't burn anybody, especially if it's performance big wave. But I guess why I may, I could never bring myself to do it though. I don't think I've ever like when I've been riding a nine ever like dropped in in front of somebody. I just can't, I it just felt so wrong. I've never been able to do that. I've had it happen to me a ton, where especially at waves like that, and, like it's not that big of a day. Like somebody goes in front of you, and it's like okay, yeah, whatever, that's fine. But I, I've never been able to do it. I guess. Yeah, my, my takeaway would be like, yeah, you can still probably get away with it. Why, man? Just don't do it when John's trying to knife tube. And then uh, elsewhere, you'll probably get punched in the face soon. So uh, that, that's where we're at. Chopu Village hit with flash flooding. Cars swept into the ocean. I just wanted to read a title here. Let's just kind of recap everything else that's happened in surfing this week. Chopu had a massive swell. Surfline went live there. Some paddle stuff, some toe stuff. Mikey, you said your favorite wave, which I'd have to agree with. Paddle-wise was Emios. Emios. Cesar Mac. That is the hardest name. We're just not... It's not for me. It's, that's not for me. It's above my pay grade. You're going to go for it? Emeo? I'm saying Emeo, but I could be wrong. Okay. Last name? Zermac. Okay. Just pretend like the C's not there. That's my okay. guess. I don't actually know. Okay. Emio Zermak. Uh, I'd have to agree. That was my favorite wave from the whole swell. I, I just find paddle stuff more amusing than toe stuff. You see any toe rides? That wave was huge. The the paddle one? Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking massive. That kid is so fucked up. I really like the way that kid serves. His technique in backhand barrels. I've seen some stuff from him at pipe, too, where... Uh, he's on a different level as the backside two rider. That kid is so cool. You pointed out too when we talked about before that he's now in Billabong. It's great to see him get support. Yeah. That kid is next fucking level. So I think that was the coolest wave from the swell. Anything else stick out for me there that we should call out? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me is that girl Annie Dos Santos. So she's from, or she lives in Australia. I think she's Brazilian, but then she like almost has an American accent. So I don't know what's going on there, but she's been really, really impressing me over the past year or so. Started off with her getting some crazy waves in Australia at like Dead Man's and some other heavy waves when it was really big over there. Um, she came over to Hawaii and got some sick waves at Pipe and whatnot. Then I don't know if you saw, but Surfline has been doing that series with O'Neill. Uh, it's called Maps to Nowhere, where they go to these waves that are kind of unknown or whatever, depending on who you are, I suppose. But they go to this right reef pass with Ian Crane and Soli Bailey, and she gets a crazy right slab out there on her backhand. And then she comes to Chopes, and first day of the swell, like before it's huge, she sends a giant airdrop on a paddle wave. Doesn't make it, but just comes up like no problem. Um, and then the big day, she got a proper toe wave, like pretty deep. Um, yeah, just like, a, like I mean, the best wave of pretty much anybody else's life. And then she got a paddle one as well. So she, to me, is like really the next up and coming female in the heavy wave barrel space, kind of like following a bit in Moana's footsteps, I will say. She kind of seems like the, the next coming of that sort of generation. So that was really cool to me. That was the other big takeaway. And then on the negative side, um, two two bad things happened this week during the Chopa Swell. The first one was that Tom Lowe, before the big day, 
Um, he hit the reef really, really hard. He ended up breaking some ribs, scapula. He had to undergo surgery, blood transfusions. He's still recovering. He's going to be in Tahiti for a couple of weeks. His family flew over to take care of him. Um, I think he had travel insurance, but it didn't cover like the medevac and, and all these other things. So um, I think Greg Long set up a GoFundMe for him, which is really, really cool. And you can donate to that. We're going to leave that in the show notes. And then the other thing is that the day after the swell is this giant, basically like storm surge hit Tahiti. Um, and it's weird because on the the original Code Red swell, you remember like there was, you know, waves washing into the town and everything. And this is almost like a reversal where the swell hit, but I don't think that caused the damage. From what I understand, it basically came down from the river, the river that made the wave at Chopes. There was just this giant surge. Uh, Lucas Chumbo said that it looked like basically a four foot wave coming down the river and it just wiped out the town, sent cars out into the ocean. Um, Houses were obviously taken out. So yeah, there's a GoFundMe for that in our show notes as well. But yeah, two kind of little moments of devastation around a lot of moments of glory as well. Oh yeah. So some good, some bad there. We're like, you know what? We're like swell coverage people now. We got, we're talking about Chopu. We talked about Snapper we covered some pipe, some very late season pipe, which happened. Mm, we did. Which, um, you know, it was, we asked the question there, did it, was it really going off? And kind of, but. Uh, I, did you watch the video? It looked pretty fucking good. It looked pretty fucking good to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, interesting, weird things happening on the planet. It is, it's May, huh? Wow. That is, that's wild, actually. We're almost like halfway through the year. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah weird um one more thing one more thing uh we had a quick little gabe medina interview on the site it was just this moment that chris bins got with him right after he had won the margaret river pro i want to play some audio from that because come on let's hear let's get gabe he's pretty much a co-host of the show now get on come on gabe get on is there a bit of a generational thing at the moment like you john philippe italo for so long have ruled the roost and now there's griff ethan jack Zhao coming up do you guys want to kind of Mark your turf and show the kids who's boss. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, we, uh, as you said, we're from the same generation, you know, uh, me, John, uh, Italo, Philippe. Um, and yeah, we see these new guys coming up and he, they, they, I think they're doing less mistakes, you know, they are more consistent and uh, which makes more uh, challenge, you know, just you gotta pay attention for everything out there um and yeah just watch out with th- with these guys you know um but it's good to to have a win uh against them you know uh yeah we we old man we, we gotta respect <laughs> there he is he's watching all the youngsters now we're gonna get to a surf in soon but a few things that are coming up uh we gotta call it out again the challenger series we are a challenger series podcast so that will be kicking off Waiting period starts this weekend. You said that there's some decent swell in the way. We are having some stab-in-the-dark parties here in Europe. Um, Ari Sarah, for every episode, we'll be doing them every Saturday for the next four weeks. I will be there. I actually just sent an email out to all of our European Stab Premium subscribers, and I had to commit to wearing a certain shirt that night because I'm going to be giving away free drink coupons to any subscriber that can make it. And so I was like, well, how do I identify myself? And I said, I guess I should wear a stab shirt. And so um, my outfit is already selected. We're speaking on Thursday. I know what I'm wearing Saturday night. That's good. That's very prepared. 
And also worth noting on the Stab in the Dark front that episodes are going to drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. California time. So you'll be able to watch them there first. And if you're in Europe, you'll get to go to premieres every Saturday. Is that right? That is correct. Every Saturday in Portugal. And then we're trying to get something going for the final in France as well. We will keep you posted there. A few more things coming up. Like you said, a full month of Stab in the Dark. We are going to do a Shapers Roundtable. It won't be out so soon, but we'll be um, asking some big questions to the Stab in the Dark Shaper finalists. That is very exciting. We'll be producing that soon. We'll also be producing Stab Highway here in Europe soon. We're only a few weeks out from that. So oh yeah. Um, if you see us offending you somewhere, we apologize. Um, if Jacob Z. Kelly asks to joust you with a baguette, Please entertain his request. You'll make it into the into the film, perhaps. So that is going to be very fun. And, um, of course, we have some good old-fashioned editorial coming at you soon. So stay tuned. Is it time for a synth? Oh, it's time for a synth. Let's do it. All right. So we have, like, themes of sins. And I feel like Kelly's almost worked in. We get a lot of kind of Kelly stories. We even did a segment on here around Kelly's 50th, where we were asking people to tell their Kelly stories. Turns out a lot of people have sinned against Kelly. Um, This one isn't against Kelly. He didn't harm um, the greatest surfer of all time in any way, but it's an interesting little tale. Let's hear it. Hey, boys. Jimmy here. And my sin is that I was in Peniche, Portugal, at the same time as the comp in 2014. Uh, staying right up the road from where Kelly did his 540. Um, Now, the morning he did it, though, I decided to have a sleep in. Um, One of the girls who was staying in the house I was at, who knows nothing about surfing, came back from getting a coffee and was like, oh, my God, everyone's going crazy. Kelly just did this big whirly bird thing. And I was like, he must have done a pretty good air. Within the hour, I find out that he has broken the internet of the surf world. And um, instead of seeing it with my own eyes, potentially being in the water with him, um, I just saw it like everyone else on the internet. And um, it's always been on my mind. So I need to heal somehow. Please, what do you got? Okay, I've got a pretty weird take here. So I think let's just... You gotta break it down to start because I'm gonna, I'm gonna go somewhere weird with this. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess first and foremost, should we just talk about some of our favorite Instagram comments? Because that's a pretty easy way to, yep. to bridge the gap there. Okay. So, obviously, every week we put these surf sins onto Stab's Instagram. 1.1 million followers get to see and leave a penance of their own. You can also do that yourself. You can send us a 60-second clip at michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. And not only will you be potentially featured on Stab's Instagram, but for sort of a reward for outing yourself, we're going to give away a free year of Stab Premium membership to anybody who gets their surfs in aired on our Instagram. So send them in. The best ones will obviously go up first. So keep them fresh, keep them quick, and film them vert. So with that, Instagram this week, we dropped this guy's sin, and we got some good answers. I Actually, I'm picking, um, this is a repeat commenter. He was uh, one of the ones that we picked from maybe a couple episodes ago. So his name is Wes Weber 4 is his handle. And here is the penance that he said. He said, he missed out. Worst feeling. He must watch every wave of the Surf Ranch event live. 
If he can go in person, even better. Oh. If he can get into the pool with Kelly, even better. If he gets removed from the event for getting into the pool with Kelly, even better. So <laughs> our sinner is Australian. I find it unlikely that he's going to be in Lemoore over those dates. But I do think that waking up at, what would that be, like 2 or 3 a.m. or something to watch the start of that event every day all the way through, I think that's a pretty fair penance for the sort of crime that he committed against the goat. That's uh, I hadn't seen that one. The The best one I saw when I checked last was from at the king's lens who just said it was simple but to the point must watch a local qs in its entirety from the beach there are a few that were kind of in that realm um yeah but west stepped it up there again it's it's hard to pull off and the king's lens is obviously that's pretty hard to pull off too that's just that's uh difficult i mean i saw somebody else there's somebody in there too that had a really weird one that started like something about rock, paper, scissoring a pro, which I kind of liked, and it got really weird from there. But in general, I think it is kind of funny to just go up to a famous surfer and for absolutely no reason uh, challenge them to a game of rock, paper, scissors, shoot. That's fun. Um, yeah. Which pro would you scissor if you could? If I could scissor any pro, uh, I'd be recurrent. It'd be co-host Gabe. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I think a lot of people feel the same. Um, I also there's another comment from Mitch Botham Botham who said simply he needs to discuss rotations with Chris Cote for two hours because he opened it with yeah. uh, calling it I, called it a five forty maybe yeah but anyway uh, so there's that as well but anyway <laughs> now getting into our own penances Buck um, you said you have a weird one do you want to go first do you want me to go first you go ahead okay so what Kelly achieved that morning was such an incredible feat in athleticism, in physics, in age. Um, and I think that the fact that you failed to be there to really just soak in that moment, I, I can tell that it's eating you up. And I think that the only way that you can get over that is to basically, in a sense, have to go through the, you know, Kelly's been through so much in his life to get to that point, right? Like 11 world titles, heartbreaks in competitive life, heartbreaks in personal life, all these ups and downs, etc., letting go. And all those moments led up to to this incredible feat of athleticism for him. So, I want you to have to undergo a similar level of like just I don't know, just working so hard to achieve a goal and just feeling heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak and then finally you can get that release at the end. So, what I want you to do is I want you to apply straps to one of your boards. And you have to attempt 540s every single day until you make one. Obviously, like... I, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's it's going to be hard. The straps are going to make it infinitely easier. When you first try it, it's probably going to be really tough. But after a while, you're going to, like, click and you're going to get the feeling. I would recommend doing it backside. I think backside would be a lot easier to get that rotation that fast. Um, you can use a ski if you want. If you have a friend with a ski who will drive you around, that's totally fine. But you need to keep going until you land a 540 of some sort. It can even be an alley-oop if you want. That's probably the easiest way to do it, if I'm being honest, the, the alby-layer way. So I'll leave that to you. Get some straps, throw them on your board, and you just got to keep trying them until you make one. And we would. this is a penance that I would love to have some video evidence of. So if you have a friend who can film, that would be great. Just your whole journey. We can make a documentary out of it. It'll be great. Wow, that's good. I mean, hey, this guy could lead to some serious board innovation just to accommodate that rotation. Just strap in, get it going. I've got a friend that I went to college with, UCSD. His name is Brian Dillon. He created a magnet insert for his surfboard 
which then connects to a booty with a magnet insert. And he does all sorts of crazy flips and spins surfing with no strap, but it's technically he just literally pops up and he's got a magnet in his boot that connects to his surfboard. And you can find him on Instagram. He does some wild shit. So it's possible. Wow. Wow. Shout out Paul Evans, uh, Jonathan Meads, the, uh, the Magnetic North. Very good. Very good. I recommend this YouTube clip to anybody. Um, okay. I said, I said I got a weird take here. So that's, I like it though, Mikey. I like it. But here's my thing. Fuck that wave. I hate that wave. <laughs> it no. looks so fun. Again, Fuck it's a that wave. I live about 40 minutes from that wave. And when I first moved here, I was like, oh, so cool. Like, if the wind's north, I can go here. If the wind's south, I can go there. That's there. Um, big Bay, and there's certain parts of it that accommodate wind a little bit better than others. But I would go up there a lot because it'd be like south wind. Like, that's, that's that zone. I'd go up, and it's... And that day was windy and whatever it was, but I have such a passionate hatred for the place because you go and you see waves and Jack Robinson got a crazy one there two years ago because he's Jack Robinson and he can read the ocean like nobody else on the planet. Every time I've been, it's just, it, you think it's going to be good. You convince yourself, you get the hopes up and then it's just miserable. There's weird water moving. You think you see a good wave there. It's just shit. It's a shit wave. I hate it. Um, and so if you told me, hey, tomorrow you go up there Kelly's going to do something incredible. It'll, no other thing to worry about will be just you and him in the water. You guys can go hang out after, get a perps. And I'd say perps doesn't exist here. I don't know if it exists at all. They say, I don't care. We'll figure it out. We'll get you one. I wouldn't go up. It's not worth the gas money. What? I, I know I'm supposed to have. What? I know that I should have more reverence for this, but my hatred for this wave outweighs that. Anywhere else in the world, me and Kelly would be bros. We have him perps. But. Haliva? Even there, I would. I hate that wave more. I hate this wave more. Wow. This is huge. And so I can't really blame him because I think he made the right call. Um, however, one of the seven deadly sins is the sin of sloth. And that is the sin that he's committed here, in my opinion. And I'm going to focus on that. Basically, I'm just going to focus on sloth. I'm not going to rope Kelly. I'm not going to rope any history because it is what it is. It's a wash, right? But you're sloth. When you're on a surf trip, you should be, you should not even sleep. You can party and surf. You could do everything. Just torture yourself. That's why you're there. Um, and so my penance for him to heal is he needs to go for a tarantula. Oh, I know what this is. Um, a tarantula, if you do not know, there's a system, a globally accepted system <laughs> that awards you a name based on the amount of times you've surfed in a given day as follows one surf good job you got wet but it's just that's it you don't get a name actually two surf tommy three surf tony four surf terry five surf tarantula now to achieve this status you have to break the golden rule the golden rule is three waves counts as a session to get the status to qualify you need either 10 waves or you need to be in the water for an hour. Wow. Um, if you're Italo, you would, 10 waves would take you five minutes. So I guess you could kind of do it, bang it out in a quick day on the beach. The rest of us, 10 waves are an hour. You can't cheat it. You can't go out, run out 20 minutes, three waves, hang on the beach, have a beer, go back. It's, it's committed service. What's a sufficient break between a session? Doesn't matter. As long as it's an hour or 10 waves. We, what you want to avoid is somebody just like going down to the beach at 10 a.m., surfing, 
going in and out of the water five different times, but like you ride a soft top one time and you surf for 20 minutes and it's like, no, they're committed sessions. A board change feels like a different session though. Like, cause otherwise you could just get 10 waves, come in, touch the sand, take your leash off, put it back on and go back out. And I don't think that's in the spirit of the tarantula. It's not in the spirit of tarantula. If you're, if you got a time crunch or something, there should always be a reason you're going in. You couldn't, you can't just touch the sand and go in, but you got to go for the tarantula. Um, you were a sloth. We don't like sloth. It's a deadly sin. So you got to do the tarantula. Um, I honestly think that there, it's a weird thing, but there's just something so good about feeling like you've absolutely fucked yourself up through surfing. Just it's the end of the day and you can't move and you're in a little bit of pain and you even wake up like sore and groggy the next day. There's just something incredible about that. I don't know why you can't, you know, you have like the salt in your lungs. It hurts to breathe a little bit. Um, that's what a tarantula does to you, and that's what he needs to go and do. Brilliant. Who do you think would win in a fight between a sloth and a tarantula? Um, tarantula. Do they have? No, venom? I don't think so. But they got fangs, right? Oh. Or maybe they do have. Venom. I don't know, man. Don't ask me. Yeah, they were in Lakey Peak. There's some guy showing it off. I think it had no fangs. Yeah, I'm still gonna go with the tarantula. What about you? Nah, sloths will fuck that shit up, dude. They're so slow. They don't have to be. They can actually be really quick when they need to. Really? Yeah, they're deceitful little bitches with big claws. Huh. All right, well, be a sloth then, I guess. I'm gonna, no, this guy should be a tarantula. Everybody else, have a nice weekend. Be a sloth. Bless you. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. If you have a surf sin of your own, please send to michael at stabbang.com or bucketstabbang.com. Remember to keep them under 60 seconds, film them vertically. You will get a free month, no, a free year of Stab Premium. That's huge. You already get a free month of Stab Premium when you sign up right now because of the whole Stab in the Dark thing going on, so that's for everyone. But if you want a free year of Stab Premium, send in a surf sin and make it a good one. Um, with that, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. Challenger series is about to start. You probably just listened to the Snake and Stace episode before this. And yeah, I don't think there's anything else. So with that, over and out. Thank you.